Marbury against Madison, 1801. These are the facts. Marbury against Madison ranks as the most important decision in the early history of our country. For the first time, the Supreme Court declared an act of Congress unconstitutional. This historic decision established the court's power of judicial review, which has become a fundamental principle of American constitutional law. In the election of 1800, the Federalists lost control of the legislative and executive branches of the government. They sought to retain control of the third branch, the judiciary, through the appointment of many new federal judges. William Marbury received one of these appointments. His commission as Justice of the Peace for the District of Columbia was signed by the President, John Adams, and the seal of the United States was duly affixed to it. But due to the negligence of the Secretary of State, Marbury never received his commission. Thomas Jefferson, the new president, ordered his Secretary of State, James Madison, to withhold the commission. Marbury, under provisions of the Constitution, sued in the Supreme Court for a writ ordering Madison to issue his commission. Behind the legal issues were the political facts of 1803. The Federalist Supreme Court was engaged in a struggle for power and prestige with the Democratic administration. Now the court was on the horns of a dilemma. If it ruled that Marbury was not entitled to his commission, it would look as if the court had retreated in the face of Jefferson's stubborn stand. But if the court should issue the writ, Jefferson was likely to ignore it. The court, having no way to enforce the writ, would lose face. Note, the arguments by the attorneys for Mr. Madison and Mr. Marbury have been omitted because Mr. Madison did not appear, and Mr. Marbury's legal arguments were largely irrelevant to the issues discussed in the court's opinion. The Opinion of the Court by Mr. Justice John Marshall The following questions have been considered and decided. First, has the applicant, Mr. Marbury, a right to the commission he demands? Second, if he has a right and that right has been violated, do the laws of his country afford him a remedy? Third, if they do afford him a remedy, is it a writ of mandamus issuing from this court? The first object of inquiry is, has the applicant a right to the commission he demands? Mr. Marbury, since his commission as Justice of the Peace was signed by the President and sealed by the Secretary of State, was legally appointed, and as the law creating the office gave the officer the right to hold it for five years, independent of the executive, the appointment was not revocable but vested in the officer legal rights which are protected by the laws of his country. To withhold his commission, therefore, is an act deemed by the court not warranted by law, but violative of a vested legal right. This brings us to the second inquiry. If he has a right, and that right has been violated, do the laws of his country afford him a remedy? The very essence of civil liberty certainly consists in the right of every individual to claim the protection of the laws whenever he receives an injury. One of the first duties of government is to afford that protection. The government of the United States has been emphatically termed a government of laws and not of men. It will certainly cease to deserve this high appellation if the laws furnish no remedy for the violation of a vested legal right. It is, then, 
the opinion of the court that having this legal title to the office, Marbury has the consequent right to the commission, a refusal to deliver which is a plain violation of that right for which the laws of his country afford him a remedy. It remains to be inquired whether he is entitled to the remedy for which he applies. This is a plain case for a writ of mandamus to deliver the commission, and it only remains to be inquired whether it can issue from this court. The Judiciary Act of 1789 authorizes the Supreme Court to issue writs of mandamus to persons holding office under the authority of the United States. Now, the Constitution does not give Congress the power to increase the original jurisdiction of this court. To enable this court, then, to issue a mandamus, it must be shown to be an exercise of appellate jurisdiction. Yet to issue such a writ to an officer for the delivery of a paper is in effect the same as to sustain an original action for that paper and therefore seems not to belong to the appellate but to original jurisdiction. The authority therefore given to the Supreme Court by Congressional Act, the Judiciary Act of 1789, to issue writs of mandamus to public officers appears not to be warranted by the Constitution and it becomes necessary to inquire whether a jurisdiction so conferred can be exercised. If a law be in opposition to the Constitution, if both the law and the Constitution apply to a particular case, so that the court must either decide that case conformably to the law, disregarding the Constitution, or conformably to the Constitution, disregarding the law, the court must determine which of these conflicting rules governs the case. This is the very essence of judicial duty. If then the courts are to regard the Constitution, and the Constitution is superior to an ordinary act of the legislature, the Constitution, and not such ordinary act, must govern the case to which they both apply. An act of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution is void.